welcome to Safe Inside, brought to you by Theratribe. I'm Jeremy Loomis, and these are my conversations with Sandra Fields, an LPC and certified clinical trauma treatment provider with over 35 years experience helping people who've been through trauma. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Theratribe Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Sandy. And uh, last time we talked about some of the common uh, symptoms that accompany trauma. And uh, maybe you've recognized some of that in your life or the life of a loved one. Um, Today, we're going to get a little bit deeper. What are we getting into today? Well, I think today we're going to talk about the neurobiology of trauma. That sounds like more scientific than I'm going to make it because I'm you know, I'm a social scientist, but that's a soft science and we don't yes. want to get like too crazy here. So yeah, so we study yeah. stuff that you can call sciences, but we also primarily spend our time working with human beings. So we're going to keep the discussion pretty human. Yes, yes. We want a human discussion about yeah. humans. Yes, that would be nice. So the neurobiology of trauma and see, you can say I listened to a podcast about the neurobiology of trauma and sound really smart. But we are going to use human terms. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, we've talked about in the other episodes each time about trauma being not just a, a mental or an emotional response, but actually a biological response. Mm, yeah. So I thought it would be worthwhile looking at actually what happens to our bodies, mm. um, looking at the different stages, and then the symptoms that happens to us in each of those stages, um, and explain kind of what's happening while that happens. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Well, I do want to mention that trauma response always starts actually in our nervous system. Our nervous system, what it does is it evaluates the threat in in every way it can, physically, you know, uh, mentally, emotionally. It's reaching everything out to evaluate the threat. And if it sees that our safety is in danger in this environment, um, and that, again, remember, it could be we're perceiving it that way, right? If it perceives that we are in danger in this environment at that time of that trauma, the arousal system starts going actually in a way to sort of prepare us to die. Mm. So every time that we have trauma, our body says, oh, we're dying. So keep that in mind as we talk about that. Um, And also remember that each of our nervous systems flares up in conditioned ways. What I mean by that is all of our experiences through life teaches us that this is safe, this isn't safe, this is how you handle when you are not safe, this is how you act when you are safe. We all learn different ways of doing that. So when our nervous system flares up, it does so in a way in which we've been taught all our lives, that we have taught our nervous systems by our behavior, by our thoughts, by our actions, by our parents, by our peers, by our teachers, by what we watch on TV, Mm. all of these things have conditioned us to flare up in a particular way. Each of us, you and I, would flare up different ways. Yeah, You know. sure. So that's that's part of what we, it's good to remember as we start talking about the neurobiology of trauma. Yeah, some seriousness to that. Like there's the fight, flight, or freeze. And you you think about the first time you grab a hot pan on the stove when you're a little kid, you kind of learn never to do that again. But you don't, you don't generally keep gripping the pan. So like if something's actually making you totally freeze, that's that's a response on a whole nother level. And so we have to be able to 
frame that up as happening on different levels. Right, right. Because you said it is actually a different response on a different level. It's in a different stage. It's not a fight, flight, or freeze stage. We have that fight or flight at that part of arousal. We're going to talk about that. And if you, can, you continue to be aroused, then you move into that freeze state. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that a little bit, I think, today um, as we go on. And when you said um, uh, preparing to die, mm-hmm. now that sounds like it's when you see your, you're telling your computer to shut down and it's starting to close programs. It's like, well, we have to close these things before we can shut down. Is that pretty much what's happening? That is pretty much what's happening. That actually happens for real in that uh, free state, that dorsal vagal response. Mm. But it happens that things start shutting down literally. Now, before that, and using my computer as a good example, when I get ready you to shut down my computer. Yes, you probably have your very own at home. <laughs> <laughs> but when you when you go to shut it down, when I hit mine, it'll say, do you want to shut down? Do you want to restart? And that's kind of like the first stage of our arousal. Mm. Our body's going, okay, do we want to shut down fully? Do we want to restart? Do we want to go to sleep? Yeah, do we want to go to sleep? Yeah. Do we want to fight this, right? You know, um, and so that's kind of, if we think about it in that stages, that might make a little bit more sense. Mm. So, um, because there are, There are stages, but all of it is part of what we call the arousal cycle. And it means that our nervous system is aroused to either protect us or to shut down because we're preparing to die, Mm. right? So it's it's that arousal cycle. And it does have four distinct stages in that arousal cycle. So when it starts happening, you know, our muscles will tense. Um, We might notice that we have... um, our eyes will get a little bit wider and we're searching for more possible danger, taking in all of the um, data that we can get, right? To see if we're safe or not. So if we're using terms like hyperarousal or hypervigilance, is that, is that roughly synonymous with just being super aware? Super aware. That's exactly right. So that first stage of that arousal is just looking around. We think we might be in danger, but we're not sure. And so we're like, okay, is this dangerous or not? And a lot of times this happens very, very quickly. So our muscles tense, getting us ready to run away or to fight. And we're, we're scanning the environment very quickly with every bit of us, every sense we have mm. inside and out, we're scanning. If our, our nervous system locates a threat or we perceive an actual threat, we think, oh, this is dangerous. Mm. We move from that first stage, which is usually very short, to the second stage. At this point, you know, we are beginning to dump our adrenaline. That's the point where our adrenaline will dump. You actually, if you don't know this, you can actually taste your adrenaline at those times. It will be uh, a coppery taste or almost like you've got a fork on your tooth Mm. in the back of your mouth, for instance. So your adrenaline will start flowing. Your cortisol will start pumping out. Uh, Your digestive system will start shutting down so that nothing goes there. Mm. Your blood will start coming from your outer um, limbs into protect your vital organs. You'll start breathing Wait, a little bit like faster. Clammy hands. Clammy hands. You um, start breathing a little bit faster to super oxygenate your blood. So this will happen during stage fright. Yes. Yes, it will. Absolutely. Okay. It will. Yes. If it's, if we're afraid of it, we're perceiving it as a threat, mm. right? Stage fright. Yes. Weird thing to recontextualize, especially if on the face of it, you're, you're cognitively recognizing that you're not in actual danger it's like i actually i'll I'll actually share uh 
a personal example. I was in the dentist's office once and it was one of those things where they were going to do an extraction, but they weren't going to put me to sleep for it. Yes. And I, I was surprised to enter a physical panic, even though I consciously knew I was okay and mm -hmm. that it was a controlled situation. Mm -hmm. They ended up tried to keep going, but we had to just cancel it and and plan to do it a different day because my body was actually starting to quake. Yes, because you had moved. Something in you said, this is dangerous. I'm going to die. Yeah. And lying here, I can't do that. Or sitting there, whatever you call that, reclining, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Except your feet are usually higher than your head, which feels really weird as well. <laughs> but, right? but it seems triggering. But it was a strange thing. And it was an example yeah. of a time where um, to, and I'm being as honest as I know to be, there was nothing in my mind that said I was in trouble. It seemed like it was a purely physical response. Probably physical, or it could be emotional, but it sounded like we can have those physical responses. And it can be confusing. can be very confusing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yes, that's it exactly, mm. right? We don't know. Sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. We can't figure out why am I having a panic attack here in the middle of a dental office yeah. when I know in my head everything's fine. Right. And I don't know why I'm panicking, but I'm panicking, right? Who knows? Who knows? It's a bit yeah. of a mystery, but it's not really a reason to heap shame on yourself. Right. It's just a thing among all the other many mysterious things that are part of the human experience. Yes, that is true. That is true. It's it's I liken it to a reflex. If I were to hit your knee with a little doctor hammer, you probably would kick out. Mm. You can't stop that. It yeah. happens because your body is responding. Mm. And that's what happened in that dental chair. You couldn't stop that. Your body was responding. Yeah. Was it much you could do about it right. Right, in that moment? So, yeah, you were definitely, you were probably past, your body was quaking. You were probably past stage two. Okay. What's stage three? Well, this is when we start discharging that energy. So stage two, we, we dump in all of this adrenaline, all of this cortisol, our muscles kind of tighten up, getting ready to fight or run away. Mm. And if we can get to stage three, we will start discharging that energy. We might actually fight or fly. You were stuck. And so you were quaking. You, you were trying to discharge that. But you you were stuck. the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you were stuck there. And so you were just stuck in that trauma. So there's no way that you could respond mm. in that arousal cycle. Mm. You couldn't discharge that energy. Yeah. Right. Um, so. It, and I remember, and I remember saying, with as steady a voice as I could, no, it's fine. Yeah, Keep but going. it wasn't fine, was it? <laughs> yes. Don't we do that all the time? I'm fine, but we're really not fine. In my mind, I was fine. Yes, but your body was saying yeah. you weren't. Yeah, and I guess the body is a, a frightened child sometimes. It needs to be cared for. Oh, my goodness. Yes, mine's probably more than sometimes, but yes. Mm. <laughs> so thinking about that in that third stage where you couldn't really discharge that energy. You were stuck there and you started quaking. Yeah. Do I fight? Do I fly? Your body's like going, oh, my goodness, I got to do something with all this energy. So yeah. you start shaking and quaking, mm. to use your word. When you finally were able to run away, you kind of did right i mean you got out of the chair going we can't do this and they told went, me i couldn't but yeah, yeah but you you yeah. left what what happened after that um i mean i think it left pretty quickly yeah so once you discharge that energy our, that's the stage four our body moves into that state of equilibrium we mm. kind of calm down our nervous system goes okay okay we're all right now we got it yeah right and that's what happened at that point when you were kind of 
allowed or told to run away, yeah. you're able to discharge that energy. Mm. So it's an actual physical response that we have to events, whether they're actually like for real, for real threatening. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's how we perceive it or how our bodies perceive it, as yeah, you suggested, yeah. or how even our emotions perceive it. Um, and this does touch a little bit on a previous episode. Uh, you know, I find it so it's so intriguing that there's there's the objective fact of what is happening, but your subjective experience of what is happening, your your mind can influence your body to such a degree that it might as well be the objective truth mm -hmm. because it is what your body is responding to mm -hmm. as if it as if it were the climate outside of you yeah it's crazy how imaginative we are yeah because we are very imaginative so imaginative that we actually can believe that we're going to die sitting in a dental chair now, I personally think the dental dentist is scary, frankly, <laughs> and it takes an act of Congress to get me to go regularly. But so I'm, I'm there with you on that. But it's more the body for me. It's, mm. it's everything. I'm like, mm, nope, nope, mm. nope. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things. I mean, people are afraid of clowns. I mean, yeah. most clowns are friendly, I'm assuming. Uh, but I mean, it's a weird thing to look back on 1980s McDonald's commercials now that Stephen yeah. King is kind of. Yeah. Change the public perception, right? Right, right. You know, but in real life too, I mean, we have real life clowns like John Wayne Gacy who weren't very nice, mm. right? That was an understatement, I know, but you see what I'm saying? So anyway, so yes, it, it really is a matter of the perceived threat and how our bodies and our minds perceive things. That's what that is. So if you had not been able to get out of that chair, mm. if you had continued to lie there in that state of, of, um, that third state where yeah. you you needed to have all that energy and it kept growing up and you couldn't leave. Mm -hmm. Instead of moving to that stage where you were you became less aroused and you went back to that state of equilibrium, everything's fine, everything's okay. Mm -hmm. What would have happened or could have happened is that you would have been overwhelmed, and then you might have very well have moved into the free state. That is a, a higher level mm -hmm. of trauma response or that arousal response. And that's the response that basically we just, we become immobile, play possum, right? And we think it's for one or two reasons. One is it may fool the attacker into losing interest so that we have time to escape. So if a bear, a bear doesn't really want to eat dead things, so maybe it would walk away, right? Um, and the, uh, we know that most predators don't eat dead things. Right. So we're 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 doing that. Um, we're hoping that they'll they'll just lose interest. Mm -hmm. And I mean, not in our brain. It's it's just a biological instinct that we we do. And if we're in that stage, are we actually unconscious? Or No, at that stage, we are frozen, but our nervous system is still highly aroused. Mm. So we we look like we're relaxed sometimes. Or we can look literally frozen. If you watch those slingshot rides on YouTube, you can see these people who are freezing on the, the ride. They're, they're at this point, but their eyes will be really wide because their nervous system is highly aroused in order to figure out what's going on. What do I need to do? Do I lay here? Then do I run? You know, what do I do? I saw a video clip one time of 
of a uh, an antelope, I think, in Africa. And there was some lions that had this antelope and they were starting to chew on this. And it was actually in this free state. And you could see the eyes were huge, but it was lying as if it were dead, just very still. Uh, the legs were stiff. Well, some hyenas came and for some reason were able to run the lions off. Well, they ran off. The hyenas ran up to it, to the antelope, and it was still that way. Something distracted the hyenas. And taking in that data, that antelope was able to do that, jump up and run away. Whoa. Because it wasn't dead. So it, you know, that's that's a, a good example of what we also do. The same thing, right? Wow. You mentioned one of the things you, you said kind of quickly a moment ago was uh, uh, that appearance of being relaxed. And I'm kind of wondering how many people have the appearance of being relaxed most of the time, but are in a more heightened state than they recognize. A lot of people, especially people that have a lot of childhood trauma. And it's like going through that instance or even through life, if you're highly aroused like that, with if you're driving, like having your accelerator all the way floored. And your brakes all the way fluid Ooh. at the same time. Whoa. That's what that state is like. Wow. So it's a very difficult state. And, and that would make it, that would be just another of, that we're starting to build a list here of the many ways that can make it hard to recognize trauma in yourself. Mm -hmm. It is, it is. And we as humans also then don't take care of ourselves after trauma mm. like animals do, right? So when they do all of that and they're not able to, discharge all of that energy. They, they get up, they shake, they rattle, they move around, they tremble, and they mm -hmm. let all that, they discharge that energy. They run around, right? We, as, as, as people, we are like, well, we're sophisticated. We don't do that, right? Um, but really, there's some, some value to that old statement, just shake it off. Well, mm -hmm. literally shake it off, right? Mm -hmm. um, walk it out, those kinds of things will yeah. help. It's all about discharging that fight or flight energy, that adrenaline, that cortisol, and all of that energy that's been built up in your system. If you can discharge it right after trauma, you most likely will not end up with PTSD. Mm. It's when we don't discharge it that we end up with those, those symptoms, those major symptoms of PTSD. Wow. Yeah. It goes back to the thing I mentioned in a previous episode too was that sense that that emotion was literally energy in motion. What does it do mm -hmm. to you when you don't acknowledge it and you just stuff it? Yeah, well, it, it turns into PTSD is what it mm. does. It turns into a, a, a post-traumatic trauma stress response, right? Because we we don't do that as human beings for a couple of reasons. One is the the intensity of that survival energy frightens us. We talked in an earlier podcast episode about big feelings being scary for a lot of people, but the survival instinct or survival energy is extremely intense. And it's very scary to us to try to sit and experience that. And we're also, as humans, not comfortable yielding ourself, our conscious control over to involuntary unconscious sensations. We are not comfortable doing that. And yet that's what it takes, right? When animals do that instinctively, they tremble in a way that restores their spontaneous breathing and it resets their nervous system. Mm. 
but we as humans don't do that again because the intensity of that of that energy scares us frightens us and because we don't want to turn our our conscious control over to our unconscious sensations that we're feeling mm. so, a, a type of surrender that we're not really willing to make yeah yeah that's 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 it exactly and shame we we mm. we're very ashamed of that so if I stand up and, and start shaking in a way to help me relieve the trauma, people around me might go, what in the world is she doing? Mm. She's crazy, right? She's weird. She's odd. And we have this shame around doing that kind of thing as well. Mm. Um, and, you know, so we don't do it. And then it stays in our, that energy stays there. And we become, we, we start, we get frozen in time. We get frozen in that trauma. And then it stays there in that time. It's a frozen piece of time in us, mm. right? And that's why when we have those symptoms that we'll talk about in our next episode in each of those states, it is, we are frozen in that time. And so the symptoms are as if that trauma is continuing to happen because we never have discharged that energy. Mm. Wow. That's a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what should our audience prepared to uh, hear for the next one? Well, I think in the next one, I'll go back to the states and talk about specific symptoms that come up. And then in the order, each of the symptoms actually have an order for each of the states. So I think I'll talk about that the next uh, one, if that's okay. all right. So one, so one thing builds on another. They don't, just, uh, they don't just all happen in whatever order they happen. That's exactly right. And they don't go away when the new ones appear. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, we get to keep them all. <laughs> Yeah, it's like collecting Pokemon. Yeah, right? gotta catch them all. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Well, a lot to think about. Uh, stay tuned. You're gonna hear the uh, the balance of this topic next time on the Theratribe podcast. I'll see you guys soon. Thank you.